APU. American Public University is proud to present Online Teaching Lounge. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, but it can also be rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. We are so excited to have you today because we have a special guest, Chaplain Kyle Soros. He is going to share a lot of expertise with us today. And as you know, our podcast is geared toward online educators. So you're living and working online and you have a lot on your plate. And we hope today you'll find something that makes working online just a little bit easier to manage. Your life online is something we have covered quite a bit in the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. We've talked about sleeping more, getting some better exercise and some activity going there. And we've also talked about eating healthy and managing your time. So today we're going to meet Chaplain Kyle Soros, and I'm really excited to have him here today. So Kyle, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your path to becoming an online chaplain at APU and AMU? To me, it's like two questions. It's like, how did you get here where we all can resonate with since we all work for this organization? And also like, what was the path to becoming a chaplain? And so I'll just say the chaplaincy, the profession of chaplaincy, I stumbled into it. And I wonder how true that is for most people in their professions versus seeking it out. The truth is when I was in college, when I graduated undergrad and I was looking at master's programs, I just wanted to take all the classes. I really wanted to be a professional student. I wish they paid me instead of me paying the school. But yeah, all the classes, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to take that one. I want to take that one. And it's like, this is training you to be a chaplain. I'm like, okay. You know, I had no idea what a chaplain was, but I'm like, okay, I just want to take the classes. If these classes train me to become a chaplain, then, you know, I'll be a chaplain. So yeah, graduate and then learn what chaplaincy really is. And, you know, there's a learning curve that first year when you're kind of new to something. So uh, cut my teeth in the hospital for a while. After that, I did church ministry, youth ministry specifically. That's where I met Chaplain Cynthia, who is our full-time primary chaplain at APUS. So it's interesting how our paths course correct or kind of flow. Just interesting to me, like the whole purpose of that one year at the church, because I never saw myself working at a church, was I think just to meet Cynthia, just to connect with her. And so after that, I, uh, I still do it too. Not as much because of the pandemic, but uh, hospice chaplaincy. And Cynthia asked me to help her out and come on online university chaplaincy. There's such things as university chaplains, like on site. But I'm wondering if APUS, Cynthia, myself, and we have another one, Audrey, if we're the only online university chaplains in the world, which kind of boggles my mind. Wow, you know, that is interesting to think about. And I'm wondering 
What might be different, just to expand that a little bit, about being a chaplain online versus in the live space? What's, what's the change? So in hospice, I call it ministry of presence. Being one-on-one with another person, having the physical energy of another person, that kind of gets removed on the online environment. Hence why I really, when I'm working with students or with staff or faculty, mainly it's students I work with, I really try to talk with them over the phone, at least get the voice. That way I can kind of have a feeling or an understanding, get that body language, but in the voice. I don't know how to describe that. It's like voice language, but under the language. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like tone and inflection and sort of mood. Yeah, exactly. Because I learned a lot of emails, right? A lot of emails in the online university profession. The written word, it makes it a little challenging to try to really feel what the person's going through, really hear what they're trying to say. And I find myself, well, I hear this in the writing. It's like, well, I hear it in the word, but you know, I don't literally hear it in my ear. So that makes it challenging. But the freedom it gives too, you know, that uh, you can be anywhere in the world and we can connect. This whole now Zoom revolution in a way, everyone's on a screen. There's a lot more flexibility versus, oh, you have to meet me in my office or I have to come meet you and how far and where are you and more localized as well. I can't like go physically visit someone in the East Coast when I'm living right in the middle of the country. So pros and cons. Yes. And just before we jump into some of the things we might want to talk about today, can you give just a brief, what is a chaplain for any of our listeners who are really just not familiar with that role? I'm still trying to figure it out myself. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? Quarterly, we do meet the chaplains. And that's kind of where I explain the profession of chaplaincy a little bit. And Traditionally, it is clergy members, but in a secular environment, like a hospital, the military, prisons, fire departments, police departments. So secular organizations bring a traditionally religious person in, has a religious background. I think that's evolving and changing. That ritual, religious ritual ministry is important, but that's not the emphasis. Here on the online university, maybe that's one to five percent. I think I've prayed once or twice out of, I don't know how many students I've worked with in the past year that really requested prayer. Most of it is emotional support and underlying that is spiritual support. So in brief, chaplaincy is offering spiritual and emotional support. Hence the importance of that ministry of presence, of just being with someone in their struggles and just listening to their story. That's what another definition I could say as me as a chaplain is someone who hears stories and just appreciates hearing stories. Wonderful. It sounds like a really engaging profession and also one with a lot of variety. Yeah. On the idea of the emotional and the spiritual support, it seems that online faculty in particular are very heavily loaded nowadays. They're doing a lot takes a lot of time. As you mentioned, a lot of emails, they experience that too. What would you like to share with listeners about stress management? Huh. 
First, really is about an acceptance that stress exists. You can't escape it. So there's no need to resist the stress. Because stress could mean a whole lot of things to different people too. So when I was contemplate like what is stress and for me stress is whatever disturbs the mind whatever disturbs the heart it's those winds and storms of life and sometimes it's unavoidable but most often we're kind of the ones creating that wind and those storms and those disturbances of the mind there's a analogy that you could get hit with a dart or shot with a dart, really sharp dart. You know, it hurts. And what do you do with it? Well, most often what happens is we take more darts and stab ourselves instead of just pulling that dart out and going about our life. So stress happens. And what do we do? What is our reaction to the stress? And so to manage stress, there's skillful coping and unskillful coping. And it's really cultivating these skillful coping mechanisms where we just pull that first dart out instead of adding a second dart or a third dart or a fourth dart and so on. And then adding more darts because we're adding darts. <laughs> so that's definitely where I'd say start with stress management is just kind of accept and open to the fact that it is unavoidable and then investigating what are we adding on to it is it in our benefit or is it making things worse because most often stress happens we react and we don't even realize how we're reacting it's just so much habit patterns and conditioning so really learning what's under that and managing that than the stress itself. Stress, you can think of it as more as a symptom of an underlying condition going on. Stress is not personal. I have that, that uh, sometimes we like to think it's about us, it's against us, that it's personal attack or life's out to get us, like we did something wrong, you know, all that, all that we add on to it. No, stress is just stress, it's not personal. I think if we can really connect with that, or at least for me, if I connect with that, that it's just nature arising, nature unfolding, just stress happening. It's not personal. There's a letting go in that. There's a release in that which helps the stress. As you're describing this, I'm getting this idea. You know, there's this concept that thoughts just exist and they might float through your mind and float out of your mind. And if you have a negative thought, you could just imagine that and let it go in the same way. Your analogy to the darts makes me think of that same idea passing through. Exactly. There's two common analogies of the mind. One is the sky. You know, sometimes you get the nice, beautiful, fluffy white clouds just slowly rolling by. Other times there is dark stormy clouds filled with water ready to burst. Sometimes there's lightning and sometimes there's tornadoes, but it's just weather patterns of the mind. It all comes and goes. And exactly, do you want to get involved with the clouds? Are you even able to get involved with the clouds and the storm? Or you just watch it? Yeah, exactly. Just kind of take a step back and just watch the clouds pass by. Beautiful. Thank you, Kyle. So what strategies might our listeners want to try to deal with their stress or manage it? This is 
a hard question to answer, honestly, because it's so individual. Like strategies that work for me may not work for another person and vice versa. But when we were talking before, when you invited me and we kind of talked about what this podcast would entail, I remember mentioning a story that kind of popped up called What's Done is Finished. So for this question, I'm going to read that story. It's really short, but I just want to share that to kind of hopefully plant this seed you can come to keep in mind the importance of this phrase, what's done is finished. And this comes out of my probably favorite book, Who Ordered This Truckload of Dung? (laughs) Sounds great. Oh, it's awesome. Yes. So what's done is finished. The monsoon in Thailand is from July to October. During this period, the monastics stop traveling, put aside all work projects, and devote themselves to study and meditation. The period is called Vasa, the rains retreat. In the south of Thailand some years ago, a famous abbot was building a new hall for his forest monastery. When the rains retreat came, he stopped all work and sent the builders home. This was the time for quiet in his monastery. A few days later, a visitor came, saw the half-constructed building, and asked the abbot when his hall would be finished. Without hesitation, the old monk said, The hall is finished. What do you mean the hall is finished? The visitor replied, taken aback. It hasn't got a roof. There are no doors or windows. There are pieces of wood and cement bags all over the place. Are you going to leave it like this? Are you mad? What do you mean the hall is finished? The old abbot smiled and gently replied, What's done is finished. And then he went away to meditate. That is the only way to have a retreat or take a break. Otherwise, our work is never finished. What a way to frame that idea. Yeah, that to-do list. We all have a to-do list. It's just part of our adult life, and it never ends. I know I get stuck on what's left. Oh, it just keeps accumulating. I can't keep up. Versus just set it down and looking at, nope, I checked that box off. I checked that box off and having it. It's good enough. What's done is finished. And there is a letting go in that. Kyle, thank you for sharing that story and the great example of how to reconceptualize or view it differently when we're feeling like the tasks just never stop. They never go away. And in an online teaching world, it does often feel that way because, you know, we might have classes overlapping. There might be an endless pile of forum discussions to reply to or essays to grade and more to do. So very nice concept to think about just being finished. I like that. There's another philosophy I personally stick to. And I understand I don't have family. I don't have children. So it's really easy for me to implement this into my life. But one day a week, I truly commit to no work-related tasks, even thoughts about work. I'm like, nope, not setting those aside. Today is not the day. One day a week to live life as I feel it's meant to be lived whatever nourishes me spiritually, emotionally, because kind of come to this understanding that I guess it's a bigger view. 
again, when I was in college, it was in Boulder, and we called it the Boulder Bubble. Around Boulder, there's just these majestic mountains and all this natural, just uncivilized, it's just greatness and wonderfulness. But you get so bogged down in the Boulder Bubble, the assignments do, the busyness of traffic, this, where to go, you know, those daily tasks of life that we forget the big picture that these mountains exist. And then the big picture of space and time, it's when you really contemplate our lifespan in the grand scheme of things, a space and time, we're a blip or a blip of a blip. And life is precious. Our time is precious. And in hospice work, I joke, but I'm serious when I say this, that I have heard nobody, not one person on their deathbed ever say, I wish I worked more. So what's really important in life? So at least commit one day to embracing that, like what life is really about for you. Wonderful guidance. Thank you for that piece as well, Kyle. We're here with Chaplain Kyle Soros, and we'll be right back. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And now we're back with Chaplain Kyle Soros. Now, I hear you are a bit of a connoisseur of meditation. Yes. Maybe have some strategies you could suggest for a beginner. How might we try meditation? (laughs) You start where you are. That's first. You just start where you are. It's funny because the instruction to meditate is really simple, but in actual practice, it can be quite challenging. And that's why we call it practice. But if anyone is interested in meditation, I'd say, you know, if you're really serious, call me, contact me, email me, and I'd love to talk one-on-one more about it. That way it can be more of a personal and individualized approach because not everyone is at the same starting point. No one has the same causes and conditions happening in their life. So that helps. But basically, really, you just kind of commit to a practice and you start very small. And the practice is stopping and resting. You just sit and be and breathe. The image that was given is it's like sitting on a park bench. What do you do? You just sit. You just be when you sit on a park bench and you just kind of take in the sensory experience, be it the birds singing or the people around or if there's children playing or the firmness of the bench seat, the warmth of the sun, you're just in that moment, whatever's happening, arising, you're just being with it. Again, another joke, but kind of serious. We're called human beings, but we're conditioned as human doings. So really it's tapping in. What does that mean to be a human being, to just be, to learn to set things down? That's kind of meditation in the essence. What really helps is when you do sit, you'll see that the mind just carries these bags of past and future. And if you've ever carried heavy luggage, 
maybe that's a thing of the past because everything's on wheels now, but if you carry these heavy bags, how wonderful it feels to let them go and set them down, right? So that's kind of what we're doing is just uh, not giving in to the lure of the nostalgia of the past or reminiscing about the past or planning and worrying and creating anxiety about the future, which is uncertain. Whatever you think is going to happen probably rarely ever happens that way. So that's the practice. Just at least five minutes a day, you know, start small going to stop this five minutes in the morning, this five minutes in the afternoon, or this five minutes in the evening. This is my time to just stop. Put a force field around me that keeps everything out just for these five minutes. I'm going to take a mini vacation and relax to the max. Oh, I like the sound of that. In fact, as you were describing it, I was starting to think about the birds chirping and just getting really present in the now and not worried about the next hour or the next day or when those assignments are coming due and all the grading we're going to be facing, you know, needing to manage that time, but just thinking about the moment you're in and letting go of anxiety. Really appreciate you sharing that suggestion and a little bit of a process with us as well. Thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. What else, if anything, might you suggest or share with us that could really help online educators with their stress management or maybe anything else that has to do with their overall well-being. What do you think? You kind of mentioned it in the beginning. You, you've, I guess, talked about it in the past that, you know, the body and the mind are not separate. So to take care of the mind, as in meditation, you also need to take care of the body. Meditation is rest, but rest is also physical rest. So we are a very sleep-deprived society. And that was one student she was going mad. I mean, she was really stressing out. And that was the one question, like, how's your sleep? That's all I asked. And she's like, I don't sleep. I kind of this and this. And I checked in with her and she's like, did you get sleep last night? And she goes, oh, you know, like her mind was just reset and how everything just kind of smoothed out for her just because she got one good night of sleep. I think we forget that. Maybe we forget that because that to-do list, right? Like, oh, I got to wake up. I got to do this. Move the body. Working with elderly people, that's kind of their advice. I kind of ask them, like, what's your nugget of wisdom? And some of them will say, make sure you move that body every day, be it stretching, walking, because just reflect how, what's the percentage of your daily time committed to sitting or lying down? It's too much for me. I'll admit that's way too much. And to be conscious of standing more, just even standing and walking moving and stretching and being mindful when I'm bending over. And I guess this body communicates that to me. It's like, take care of me. <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> I'm going to make you. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, the nutrition also, I guess you've talked about that in the past. Like what fuel are you putting in the body that affects the mind as well. Other kind of well-being tips Kind of like committing to not having work, but having periods in the day where this time, no screens allowed, because we are definitely becoming a civilization of screens and can get really caught in the screens. And I just know it tires my eyes. It tires my mind just looking at the light. I don't know. It does funny things to me. Maybe that's just me, but I have a sense others might experience that a well, but be aware to take time out 
from the screen. I actually had a friend. That's his slogan. He goes, put yourself in timeout at least once a day. <laughs> and someone said to me, be your own parent. It sounds a lot like that. <laughs> it's hard, right? Exactly. As adults, we struggle the most feeding ourselves and putting ourselves to bed. It's true. Yeah. I think of with stress, another way to think of stress. I like this, that the mind is like a garden. And so everything in life that we consider good or bad, it really is neither. It just is. But it can all be used as fertilizer for the mind. And so, you know, when we step in the crap of life, our reaction is to get away from it, to scrape it off the shoe, to be repulsed and disgusted by it. It's so nasty. But we could just leave it on our shoe and take it home and then scrape it off in our garden and it'll grow some beautiful flowers. That is a great, great visualization there. <laughs> and the importance of self-kindness and self-compassion. You are doing the best you can. You have to remember that. Pretty much everybody is doing the best they can. And if you're not, if you ask yourself, am I doing the best I can? You say no, then you know like, oh, okay, I need to be striving a little bit. Most often you're going to say, yes, of course I am. And just, you know, well, have some kindness there. Have some gentleness there. Another kind of slogan or motto that I use often is you make peace, you be kind, and you be gentle to yourself, to others, to this moment. Just make peace, be kind, and be gentle. And I think that can go a long way in helping with the stress and well-being. Cultivating lightheartedness, having a sense of humor, the importance of humor and playfulness. This adult mind kind of forgets that skill and so vital to childhood development, but I do believe it's still that aspect of play and humor is vital to our adult development as well, and to just cope with the inevitable stressors of life. Wonderful. Kyle, thank you for all that you've shared today. I can tell that you draw on your expertise from your various background experiences you shared with us earlier, and also... Even though this is just online, you and I are looking at each other on video while we're recording this, and I really feel like I have a sense for your presence. You know, I don't think that virtual totally prevents that from coming through. It's just nice to be here with you, and thanks again for all you've shared with our listeners today. Likewise, Bethany. Thank you very much. Yes. So as we wrap it up, this is the Online Teaching Lounge podcast, and we've been here with Chaplain Kyle Soros and talking about your well-being as an online educator. We wish you all the best this coming week in being the best version of you in your online teaching. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. To share comments and requests for future episodes, please visit bethanyhansen.com forward slash request. Best wishes this coming week in your online teaching journey. For more information about our university, visit us at study at APU.com. APU, American Public University.